This is the Formation Lab. Welcome one, welcome all to the Indie Lab, your only indie podcast on the Indie Net. My name's Luke. I'm joined as always by my podcast host, my partner in crime, Indy. How are you doing? Uh, well, I just got confirmation from the U.S. government that my uh, legal name change to Indiana Jones has been approved. So that is now my name and is no longer Tim Martin. It's actually it's actually Indianapolis 500 Jones. Uh, you oh, forgot to put is that the what it is? Name. Yeah, <laughs> middle, middle, middle. <laughs> Middle, middle. Uh, but yeah, no, uh, the Indianapolis 500 happened, Luke. Uh, and not and only so did, did the Monaco Grand Prix. Yeah. And not only did it happen, Tim, you this is your first Indianapolis 500. It was my first 500. Uh, I went with uh, our super producer, Dylan, um, who, honest to God, had every single moment planned out. He knew yep. exactly <laughs> what we were doing, exactly when we were doing it. And it was a magnificent time. I was absolutely thrilled. Um, we had a really good time. We got there. Uh, we got to the track uh, day of uh, really early because we actually went down the day before uh, on Saturday. We got to take in the uh, Indianapolis Motor Speedway uh, Museum. And if you are ever even near Indianapolis, please consider making a uh, stop through and uh, seeing it because it is a deeply impressive um collection of cars some of which luke that um i think you would have to be either suicidal or uh just plain crazy for driving there was one <laughs> one car that uh there was the car itself and then the side pod was the cockpit for the driver it was outside the car it, there was no chance on god's green and purple earth that that driver would have survived and it did qualify at 155 miles an hour for that year's 500. Um, good news for everyone involved. Uh, it did uh, engine uh, failure uh, right at on race day. So it didn't actually end up racing. Thank God, uh, because that man would not have lived very long. But it's a deeply impressive museum. We got to go down uh, to the middle of Indianapolis, uh, where they have a beautiful monument uh, to wartime veterans, um, which we thought was appropriate on the day. Um, and also the gumball 3000 or 300, the gumball 300 was coming yeah. down from Toronto. Um, and, uh, the, the whole thing was blocked off. So we actually just walked around the monument, had a good old time. Uh, and then race day, um, Dylan does happen to be a morning person. I am not. Yeah. Dylan's uh, a, Dylan's a way morning person. <laughs> D- Dylan is the definition of a morning person. Uh, but I did get my old sorry ass out of bed. Uh, and pump myself full of two uh, gigantic Red Bulls to, to make sure that I could make it on the day. Um, I will say I will knock our hotel off one star because they didn't have a little ledge inside so I could take my morning shower and have my Red Bull right there. But that's a that's a minor niggle. A shower drink is a must. A shower it is. is must. It really is. You know, morning coffee in your mm-hmm. shower. I'm not above it. I do, um, I, I do, I do like, uh, I do one of these sparkling ice waters in the morning when I need to wake up early. I actually, I did it during my drive to the Indy 500 on Sunday. And, uh, yeah, well, you, look, I don't understand how you leave did it at 430. You leave it 430. We got oh. there. Uh, we got kind of into the place at around, uh, at around 10. We got a really nice parking spot, which of course, the better the parking spot, the harder it is to get out. But we didn't worry about that because, there's no time limit on getting out. There's a time limit on getting in. Tim, I, I, I've i said this before. I think I say it every year on our Indy 500 review. I say, you know, the track picks its own winner because the track has a soul. And you don't 
recognize it. I mean, like you can acknowledge it, but you don't really feel it until you've been there in person on at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. And like you just kind of feel the vibe of the place and it it's hard to put into words, but I'm going to ask you if you know what I'm saying and try to put it into words. Yes, I know what you're trying to say. Um, here, so before and before we move on to it, uh, this specific joke is for Dylan. Uh, the fact that I like my Red Bull in the shower is why I'm a trash human being. Um, but we'll we'll get to that later. The, the way I would describe Indianapolis Motor Speedway is a genuinely eerie yet welcoming place where fans of all shapes and sizes, re- races, religions, creeds, all gather. It is a hallowed place, it, it, but it is, it is quite eerie where you can tell the wind is changing. You can tell how much mileage has actually been done around that course, how much blood has been spilled on that course. And yeah, I genuinely do think that place now does have a soul. It's like going to hallowed ground anywhere. Um, It just feels different. There's a different, there's a different tone that carries through the entire, that carries through the air. Um, and walking, you can feel it, you can sense it, and you know it's there. It's that lizard part of your brain that's telling you something is different. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it genuinely does feel uh, incredible to be there. Um, to be there in the stands, uh, you know, day of we were there, or day before we were there, and the wind was blowing a very specific direction. And it had oh. been for two weeks. Midway through the race, the direction of the wind changed. Going into turn two, turned into a headwind mm-hmm. i don't think I, i'm not a, i'm not espousing to a higher power or anything like that but i do think there is merit and credence to your point that the track does choose its winner um all it was a tough year on rookies uh it was a it was an interesting year for the 500 because there was no car to car accident um it was all purely being caught out or misjudging something and losing the car five times is actually how many times it happened um we had renus vk roman grosjean jimmy johnson scott mclaughlin and then the one on the final lap uh the sage Karam, i believe although can i just say too sage Karam came to rest approximately 20 feet in front of me like like i mean like scott like it was McLaughlin. right there yeah, yeah, Scott McLaughlin. Uh, Scott McLaughlin right in front had, of us. had a huge hit, by the way. That's a tough hit. It was it was right in front of us. So it was so Sage Karam had the wreck that brought out the yellow flag and effectively ended the 500. It was funny though because despite it happening in front of me and me witnessing Sage Karam get out of the car, like I like I could like hey go hey Sage and wave at him, uh, <laughs> I didn't notice he crashed until. The yellow came out because I'm transfixed on Marcus Erickson versus Pato Award, right? Which was a ruthless battle. It was it was nuts. So they pass. My head goes from left, from my right to my left, and I watched him enter into corner four, and then I hear, "Mm, mm," you know how the tone shifts in that place when a caution gets thrown out, and you could just the whole place just you're like, oh boy. 
you, it, you can tell when a caution goes out just by the like general the vibe, the the vibe, vibe of the change. whole place changes it is genuinely a weird thing to experience because honestly that to most people in the stands is the commercial break we do understand from our friends on reddit and indeed uh on the coast of california derek who uh told us that there are so many commercials and we get it but at the track on the day your commercial break is a caution because cautions last six to ten laps yeah so that's your time you go get a beer you go take a rest so not this year that was not the bathrooms were 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 an issue uh we were good in the infield i'm just gonna throw that up there so we were uh, good the the lines for the concession stands were hilariously long so like terrible so that you know the the vibe changes the caution comes out like what happened and i turn and like 20 feet kind of in front of me to my right because i was looking left there's sage caram and i'm like i didn't even notice he crashed from me because <laughs> i was marcus erickson weave his way during those last couple laps. tim i do have a question for you yes i ran into grant our, our great buddy grant palmer hashtag sponsor grant uh ran into him outside the uh outside the museum after the race nice. and uh and uh he goes He's like, I'm not sure. He goes, I'm not sure it won't be a little controversial on how Marcus Erickson kind of wove his way down the front stretch. And I said, I don't think it was intentionally blocking. I think it was just trying to break the slipstream. And I think, honestly, to me, there is a line to which, you know, you have to have a hard line for safety's purposes. But there's also the point where it's like, man, it's the Indy 500. You got to throw every piece of turd at the wall and hope that something sticks if you're going to make a win there you know i yeah. i i don't really think it's that big of an issue but i've have I seen think, it raised yeah and I, and i i i agree i don't think that was defensive driving at all i think he was trying to uh break the draft and that Being that proactive. snake that snake went all the way down that that main <laughs> straight man that thing the, was everywhere but the front the front stretch was impressive to me he dove into the pit lane to block to break it yeah he he dove all the way there to to break it and you know hats off to marcus erickson first and foremost because he drove a really great race he drove a really great may uh Mm -hmm. he's had a really strong performance all may long um but i think he was always up there in that top six to stay in the conversation all day it had been uh paul or scott dixon not paul good lord paddle and then against paddle award and paddle award first and foremost we gotta say holy crap that guy's good kids the kid is magic the kid Mm -hmm. is magic and and how unscott dixon like was the last pit sequence for scott dixon because scott dixon for context had the car he clearly oh, has the it was talent. the strongest car on the day for he sure was without doubt the favorite up until the final pit sequence and i know it's indie so you can't put money at any point on that race uh but he speeds down pit lane and i just it's such an unscott dixon like move but i think yeah. it's because he it, it's in his mind at this point because he has only like, won it once it was only one mile an hour yeah. Like it was a very minor infraction. If anything, you should be coming in like five too slow. If you have the car that he has. Yeah. And you're you're gonna shuffle back out second. Ooh, you're Scott Dixon in the fastest car. You can deal with being in set work to your 
because you're Scott Dixon. It, it almost spoke to a lack of confidence in himself that led himself to overexert. Or like Probably, he would, maybe maybe not or, overexert, but just push it too close to the line. You know, he, he was pushing the envelope as much as humanly possible. Which, and if he's if he was properly confident in himself at Indy, the way that I am and the way that most people are, I think, I don't think he should be even. I think he should be firmly within the envelope. Does that make sense? Like I, I just he don't didn't, see. He didn't need to push. Um, no. you know, and I would say that. You know, the opening stint with uh, him and um, Alex Pelot trading off and just setting an insane pace up front combined with, yeah, he just had the stronger car. Uh, you know, it was it was disappointing not to see him there in the final stages. But in the final stages, the the the, the dark horse Pato Award, who had been there all day long, really took it to Marcus Erickson um, and doggone he made there was the one move and he made he made it erickson completely on merit broke broke later um he wanted it more and that was a really cool moment for me watching it on the stands watching it uh there with dylan it was a really cool moment because he wanted it in that moment one driver wanted it more than the other uh-huh. and I think for, you know, as long as you and I have watched Marcus Erickson, you know, from his F1 days with Sauber uh, to now with, uh, you know, IndyCar, it's really cool to see him gamble just a little bit more on himself uh, and, you know, take that car a little bit deeper into the corner and make it stick. He did a really great job before the final caution that it was actually thrown out because of Scott McLaughlin, again, who tur- who uh, bended in the uh, turn three short shoot to four. Mm-hmm. Um he he had a very comfortable 20 second lead. Yeah, uh, I was actually very worried because I came with a gaggle of first timers and like I I was like sitting here a I was gaggle. a gaggle. I, I right? love how you just literally that, literally four literally four first timers I was with, right? Yes. And I and I was like I've and I was looking at them like, yeah, this it was worrying to me because of course you want a very close clack ticket we ultimately get. Um and I was like, I just look at them. I'm like, I know there's usually another caution between now and here, but I'm like, you guys got to, this is the biggest lead at this point that I've seen in an Indy 500 at this stage, not counting leads that are like, yeah, but he might be like two laps short or one lap short on fuel. Like if that caution didn't get thrown for Scott McLaughlin, race was, race was done if it's clean. That's that was my because if I remember right, it was like 10 laps to go or 15 six. laps. Six was it, it six? Was six laps to go, yeah, and it they, was six laps to go. And they red he was flagged like, it. And and Pato, if I my timing app was right, was only taken like two tenths off a lap, if that. Yeah, um, you know, like, he, he had he had nothing but free air, and it's really hard, um, to gain that kind any kind of meaningful edge without intervention of some kind. If this is your first Indy 500, first of all, welcome to the madness um, that you watched or that you went to. Welcome to the madness. Tim, I can speak for all of us, but I say you watch one, you're hooked. You go to one, you're they've got you for life, basically. Um, yeah. <laughs> there's no question you're going back. I just, uh, oh, for I already told, we, I already told Dylan I'm in. Uh, he's already got like the plan going again. Yep. Um, yep. 
I will say Dylan is now uh, going to be hired by me to run all of my vacations. Uh, Any trip I take, he will be giving me an itinerary because he had that down to the minute with everything. The amount of precision out of our executive producer was insane. So if you haven't watched the 8500 uh, before, we have completely spoiled this one. If you're already, if you're listening to this point, we're getting that in there. Yeah. But if this is your first one, though, you might be surprised to know this is a very low passing year for the Indy 500. And the track conditions were very intriguing to me personally in that uh, they put a sealant on the track in, I think, 2018 or 19. And this is one of the hottest days that it's been. And the sealant means that when the track gets in that midday sun, it loses grip because it's too hot rather than too cold, right? And that was a big complaint. And that's why you saw so many single car accidents. That combined with Tim, you can attest to this because you were up in the stands. The winds were stiff. The winds were stiff on Sunday. The winds were stiff on Sunday, and that was something that was consistent the whole day through. So we got trackside um, at like 7.05, 7.06 in the morning. Um, We were there bright and early. It was very brisk. The the sun heated everything up very quickly, but the the wind was pretty relentless. Um, I had my ticket uh, on my neck around my land on my lanyard. And it was blowing in the wind quite frequently throughout the whole race Um, and indeed throughout the whole day. Um, So, yeah, being in the stands, I can absolutely attest that it was a wild, windy day, um, which caused like a whole bunch of turmoil for uh, the race itself. And again, it did change direction uh, over what they had practiced on. um, And the temperature was different as well. It got very, very hot toward the end. Yeah. And I... it made passing difficult. And again, that's why you saw those single car wrecks was because coming out of two, the wind is very wonky in that corner and the way that it hits your car specifically. And uh, it was intriguing. I think next year, uh, 2023 or 2024, they're looking at an aero screen that will reduce weight by like 40 pounds. I, I think I saw, which is huge it should help overtaking you got to remember this this chassis that indycar has first off that the chassis is that they've been using the uh the ir uh model right is it, it it's pretty great the ir18 i believe it is it's a great chassis like they, they don't they shouldn't be in any rush to change it but it was not designed for the aero screen so between the aero screen between all that Passing is kind of down at the Indy 500, but the race always produces. So, you know, who's to say what for? And it did, you know, I I think I I like that. And it's also down to the drivers, keeping it very, very clean. Um, There might not have been as much passing, but there was definitely a whole lot of, um, you know, very clean, respectful racing on the restarts. There were a whole bunch of restarts this year. Yeah. That's true, too. Uh, For the amount of restarts we had, we didn't get many incidents stemming from them, which is um, intriguing to me. Let's talk about a couple guys who had fantastic races kind of shuffling down the field and some not so fantastic races. Alexander Rossi uh, had a quiet Indy 500 in which he finished very, very well. That's shocking. He started. Oh, yeah. He started poorly, you know, qualified poorly. I think 13th. Uh, yes. right? So he moved. Yeah. Or no, he started way back. 
Uh, no, hold I know on. yeah, no, he started way back. I gotta pull it up here, but he started like way, way back there. He moved up really well through the day. Um, I was actually really surprised because I was totally expecting the uh, pit stop yips uh, to come up and bite him again, um, but they didn't. He had solid, quiet uh, pit stops, which is just what the doctor ordered. Um, ended up in P5 because, and I know that um, in our group chat, we had been asking about but, Alexander but- Rossi's career. By the way, uh, P20 to P5. That's a plus, P20 15. To P5. So, plus yeah, 15 on the day. I just remember looking up and seeing him in P13 for quite a while. And I thought, mm-hmm. well, seven spots up, that's, that's good. But I hope in the last pit cycle, something good happens for him. Because he deserves something good to, have, to, to happen. I was quite worried about his IndyCar career. Uh, had he not turned in a reasonably respectful uh, or respectable uh performance so that's good I'm, I'm thrilled for alexander rossi i thought he'd have a bad day um because he always has a bad day <laughs> he really does except for except for today and hopefully that might change when he goes to his new team in quite possibly the car that you're that is on your t-shirt right now it should be noted that alexander rossi reportedly has will update us in a couple weeks on what his future situation is and coincidentally arrow mclaren sp just ran a third car with our boy big sexy in there so something to watch and i i do love me some big sexy is rossi is, is rossi with arrow mclaren sp merch just going to be the hot ticket item that's going to be the hotness isn't it i have a different theory that dylan and i kicked around all okay. day saturday and sunday all right um so do you want me to do that now or would you like me to save that? Uh let's save it for later. A couple other guys. Connor Daly, uh, with a P6, the, the hometown kid. Do you heard the roar when he took first place that for that brief amount of time, didn't you? I did. It was Is intense. It not unreal. <laughs> oh, it was great. Yeah. And um, yeah, it was it was a great experience for especially for him. How about uh, Elio Castroneves, uh, old man picking it up P7 after what was, I mean, quite honestly, a disastrous qualifying. Elio still got it. If you put him, if you start him in like the top 10, I, he, there's no doubt in my mind he's running for a win here. He's, you know. Yeah, but he uh, was not the elder statesman I was, I was so impressed by. There were actually but, two veterans that I was thrilled with. Go on. I'm sorry. I said, go on, because I know who you're going to bring up in the first in the first bit. Number three, Tony Kanaan. Tony Kanaan had just a supremely sterling day, beginning, middle, and end. He mm-hmm. didn't put a single foot wrong. He just lacked that lucky opportunity, that Scott Dixon opportunity. But Tony Kanaan still got it. And, you know, for ovals in those big moments, those big days, if those, you know, off teams are not considering a Tony Kanon drive, you're doing it wrong. He is an absolutely spectacular driver. Uh, he had a terrific day. The other veteran that I was thrilled by, um, who usually, you know, has had a bad run of luck in some of his races, Ed Carpenter. Yeah. Ed Carpenter Ed Car- had a pretty great day himself. He was, he was, Ed Carpenter was, uh, was pretty darn quick, ended up P19, but after, you know, kind of a disastrous, uh, not a disastrous, just an unlucky kind of last stick, but he had a very good day though, running up near the front. He was, Mm -hmm. he was in the top three to six, uh, for the entire thing, right up until the last uh, pit cycle. And then, yeah, he just, he just got boned. Uh, it was very unlucky. 
Uh, Big Sexy didn't do too bad, rolling in P11, but I want to roll down to the to the low end, all right? Because there's Roman Grosjean. He got taught a, a very quick lesson on like, yeah, Indy is a is a heck of a track, man. But you know what? I, that's not on him. It was it was it's he's not the only guy it caught out. Let's talk about a couple of guys who had a really tough time in terms of their championship runs. How about number 33, a guy who might've been challenging for a lead at the end, if it weren't for, you know, a crash, Renus VK, the first out. My boy, Renus VK, <laughs> uh, guy. he, he always delivers for me. Um, but I, you know, it was my first Indy 500. So, uh, he, he delivered, um, I think Renus and Groja, they, they crashed in the exact same spot. Yeah, they did. Um, I think in very similar circumstances, too. Exactly. They lost the back end. The back end just, quote, stepped out, um, which, you know, and that's fine. But that and I believe that that was also where Jimmy Johnson crashed, wasn't it? Yeah. 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 That's also where Jimmy Johnson crashed. Uh, Yeah. So it's it's, I also think it's right around youngsters. Yeah. Callum Eilat crashed there as well, too. Uh, There you go. So the rookies, the rookies and the newbies, they had a rough go. Scotty Mack had a really tough day. You got to remember Indy 500 is double points. So to crash out of the Indy 500 as a championship front runner is devastating. <laughs> yeah, it is. It is devastating, but uh, also just as devastating was uh, a car that just died a slow, miserable death uh, with Colton Herta's car. That's exactly what I was going to bring up. Colton Herta. That was, it, he was, it, I had the timing not, lap. I had my timing uh, app up and di- we were just watching him fall back like half a second, yeah. a corner. It's like, yeah. Oh, he's that thing is ailing. Well, and it's, it's not particularly the mechanics fault and it's not Colton's fault on that Sunday. It, it the, he crashed on fast Friday. So then the T car, you're not familiar with that. It's a backup chassis. It's a complete extra car for the team. Right. And they had to bring it out. And, and Indy car said, and I think rightfully so, Tim, uh, they said, no, you can't run an installation lap or a test lap because you get the same, you know, number of laps and number of sessions as everyone else. That's a tough break, but sometimes as we have fun, crumbles, right? Um, yep. So he had basically a blank car that hadn't run a single lap at, at, at Indy and uh, just uh, it was not there. And Colton Herta, uh, youch, dare I say. <laughs> That's what I was saying. That that's a guy that suffered in the championship. Wow. Yeah. Uh, um, but yeah, your current championship leader is Marcus Erickson. Do you think he holds on to that? Because here's here's a question. Because Marshall Pruitt tweeted this out, and I'm like, you're right. Between Detroit of last year and right now, Erickson is your points leader. Granted, that's a very specific one year time frame, but he's been on he's been playing a hot hand. Um I think I think he sticks around. He's at least in the conversation at the end of the year. Yeah, I think I think everybody between I think let's see top six, seven, eight. I think everybody in the top ten is in points right now. Can maybe make a stab. Some are going to be a bigger reach than others. Like Colton Herta, if Colton Herta drives clean to his abilities, I think he could still win it. Scott McLaughlin, I think he could still win it, but it, it's tough to say. My yeah. other problem with Marcus Erickson when, is when Scott when Scott crashed, that was 
I was devastated for him. That's we were most standing of the there championship and, point. Hopes. Yeah, and but the the way we were sitting in the stands, the the wreck happened just below our eyesight. You know, it's hard. It's hard. It was hard to see it. But then when he came across the short shoot, there was a collective, oh. And then when he hit the wall, it was a, oh, God, is he okay? Um, so that was brutal. Yeah, uh, it was it was brutal and physically and in terms of the points impact. 162 points for him. Just behind Scott Dixon with 166 points. Uh, that Indy hurt him. But here's the thing about Scott Dixon is he's still sitting in, like, you know, top six. He's Scott he's Dixon. He's still Scott Dixon. Uh, championship and move on to formula one after this is he's 13 points ahead of Pato award and 14 points ahead of alex polo marcus erickson is not super inconsistent but he's pretty consistently fifth six you know he's running in that five to six uh territory I don't think Marcus Erickson's consistent five to six territory is gonna hold up too long considering that award and polo both of them are consistent in a like top three kind of position. Yeah, but I, I think can't... it's it's unwise to count him out at the end of the year. No, no, especially because he's shown a knack for winning races out of nowhere in this specific. Uh, <laughs> he just knocked. He just. <laughs> Tim, you you like knocked your Tim got up to charge his phone, and uh, Tim knocked. I think you knocked your uh, your microphone. It just sounded like you you ripped ass on the right into it. It was hilarious. We're keeping it, baby. Yeah, that uh, that is kind of what happened. Where I just tried to plug in my phone, and everything just kind of went terribly. So, but uh, I I do think there's a lot of guys in there. Will Power had a disastrous day, but he's still fourth in the points. Tim, uh, do you want to talk about your conspiracy theory real quick, or do you want to move over to F1? Well, my conspiracy has to do with F1. Okay, let's so, talk about F1. Let's talk about F1. Weekend started off weird. Um, you had qualifying uh, on Saturday, which kind of went the way we all thought. Um, with practice, it got a little hairy over in my favorite tent, uh, McLaren. Uh, Daniel Ricardo did have an incident uh, where he flew into the barriers. Uh, and the first thing the mechanic asked him was, is the car okay? Not, are you okay? Um, which was noticed. He said, uh, I'm okay. Thanks. Um, I, I, I will say, uh, I don't think the mechanic or the, the engineer there knew that he had wrecked. I think he just saw the telemetry and like the car's not moving. Is the car okay? Yeah, uh, it was probably like that. But it changed the conversation a little bit to how is this going right now? Um, Zach Brown was interviewed. Uh, Zach Brown was there on Saturday, I believe. Um, he was in Indianapolis on Sunday, which was interesting. Um, but he t uh, told the press that uh, you know, the, that uh, Daniel's performance is not up to uh, theirs or his expectations. And he was kind of cagey about uh, whether or not McLaren will move to do other options at the end of the year. He said that there are options in his contracts where you are together and options where you are not. 
And Daniel said, you know, uh, we'll, we'll get to there when he get, we'll get there when we get to it. Um, I like this quote where he's like, my, my, my uh, skin is perfect and bronzed and also thick. <laughs> that was a Daniel Ricardo quote. That was a Daniel Ricardo quote. He was also quoted later in the weekend as saying, I'm very happy here. Um, it's not, it's not the team. The team is very, uh, um, collaborative with him they're very supportive of him mm-hmm. um but you know it's just down to him and his comfort with the car um watching the onboards watching uh everything as we did uh lando seems to have a much better grip of the car uh as evidenced by all of his performances i do think unless i'm grievously mistaken uh that the gap between daniel and lando was bigger this year than it was last year i think so um in the in their qualifying uh so for some reason lando is just kind of gapping the daylights out of uh poor danny rick um uh, by the way also a testament to how good lando is that kid's so good the kid is so good um you know the future is bright for mclaren with lando norris my conspiracy theory is daniel ricardo is done in f1 and i think they do a swappy swappy with pato award or colton herda Pato Award. I would agree. Uh, I think Pato Award, if you look at what he needs for the super license, which is the license you need to drive in Formula One, I think he needs to get fourth or better in the Indy Car Championship, which is not a lock. But if we know Pato Award, I would say that any, like a third place would be a disappointment for what he's running right now, the season he's having. He's playing a hot hand and he is an extremely skilled driver. Yeah. Um, his racecraft is coming along very, very nicely. Um, and I would not be surprised if Danny Rick, because there, there are going to be no options for him in F1. Um, and no. I think he says, you know, I think he calls it a day. And I think he heads over to IndyCar because he loves it here in America. And he's seeing Roman Grosjean and Marcus Erickson have success. And that's what he wants ultimately. I would I would agree too. Plus, I mean, he he's always idolized American racing, albeit NASCAR. But I think a lot of guys, even in NASCAR, Dale Earnhardt Jr. specifically, if you got Dale Earnhardt Jr. off the script to talk to Danny Ricardo, Dale Earnhardt Jr. would tell him, go to the Indy 500. You don't have to race your first year, but just experience it. Because that's what happened to Roman Groshan, right? Roman came over. He's like, I don't want to do ovals. Goes to one, count them. One Indy 500, Tim. <laughs> and he's in. He goes, let me at it, baby. <laughs> and he spent a lot of time testing at Indy as well after that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it is a it is a true family affair. And Roman Grosjean was there with his uh, wife and kids and his parents even made the trip. Mm-hmm. How cool is that? So, yeah, no, I think uh, I think he definitely comes over uh, to IndyCar and does that. Um, but the rest of the Formula One, uh, Grand Prix weekend was uh, well. You're gonna need to put an explicit tag on this because it was a shit show. Ferrari just dentist you. Are are you accepting that Ferrari? For that. Are you accepting that Ferrari has dentist us? Yes. Okay. Yes, I I, I think. Listen, I'm doing I my am, smug I am face. All for I. It is it is a Jeremy Clarkson smug face, and I hate it. Um, I I am I don't suffer uh just blatant incompetence very well um whoever is calling the pit strategy uh over at ferrari needs to be let go like yesterday 
and yeah. odds are it's someone's kid because that's how they roll. But you know, I just the the pit strategy was inexcusable. Um, you know, and I there 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 is a reality in which some people got the call right, some people got the call wrong. It was mixed conditions all day long, but they boned Charles Leclerc. Yeah, Would they you did. like to explain to ladies and gentlemen what they did? Because it okay. hurts me. Okay, so there were basically there's two uh you're running in the wet, right? And we have two wet tires. We have the wets and the intermediates. Now, as the track dries off, go from wet to intermediate, and then eventually the track will dry off enough to hit dry. Now, you're left with a split decision. Do we run the wets until such point as we can swap directly to a dry tire, be it the hards, mediums, what have you? Or do we take it now, run an intermediate in their optimal conditions, and then send you on your way for 10, 15 laps, then bring you back in. Now, the answer to that question lies entirely in how much time are you losing on the wets, if any? How much time does gaining are you gaining for intermediates? And how long is your pit, like your full pit delta? How long are you in the pit stop, right? And how long are you on the pit lane? So there's there's some to do, but that's your basic thing is, is let them roll until you hit dry. Or bring him in for intermediates. Ferrari says, "Baby, we're doing both." <laughs> and I, I, it it boggles the mind. Somehow they decided um, to to have they had signs stay out and make the one pit stop, and you know, swap to you know just go straight from wets to hards, right? Leclerc, they pull in, I think it was 10 laps earlier was all, and they go intermediates. Now, the advantage here is that when signs goes to slicks, this is still intermediate territory. It's just the track is becoming closer to slicks territory. Signs is on the worst tire for those few laps, right? Mm -hmm. So then naturally you go, well, since Leclerc is on the right tire for the next three, four, five laps, what have you? Let's just keep them on there, and we don't need to stop them at the same time. Let Leclerc run the optimum tire and then swap right when the condition swaps. Instead, they double stack, and they double stack in such a way that puts Charles Leclerc not just behind his teammate, because mind you, uh, science pulls in and Leclerc pulls in right behind him. So mm -hmm. there's not a you don't get that opportunity to overtake your teammate in the pit lane that is necessary on this strategy to stay in first. You just right behind him and he shuffles it, out behind his teammate and behind red bull yeah and uh, charles was rightly devastated oh he was pissed he, he was and pissed rightly so um the the crazy part is that we actually so on the drive uh down to indianapolis uh we watched qualifying in the car uh and then uh -huh. at the race here's the good thing I switched last year to from AT&T to Spectrum um, to get for my mobile service. And it's spotty here and there. They're still working on getting their uh, systems up. I can't usually rely on it for much, um, you know, if I'm out in the field and away from Wi-Fi and away from like known places. Uh, in Indianapolis at the 500, everybody's got AT&T. What happens? What, well, what happens when a whole bunch of AT&T people try to get on their phones? Specifically like... 320,000. So just assume, exactly. by the way, just assume, by the way, that like those are evenly split among 
AT&T, T-Mobile, and Verizon. That's still a hundred over 100,000 people each. Correct. Um, but I'm the only fool who had Spectrum. Um, so I got to, we got to sit in the stands and watch the Monaco Grand Prix in its entirety in high definition on my phone. Um, so we got the entire experience. I mainlined racing this weekend and I love it. I, I am all for it every single year. But uh, we were sitting there and when they double stacked, we were just, we, we both said, wait, what? What Why are they would doing? you do that? Well, and yeah. then they're telling Charles at the same time, stay out, stay out, stay out. They're telling him to stay out. He's already in the pit lane, dude. He's already pulled in. <laughs> right. Like, what are you doing? Stop it. This uh, is not, this it, is not a complicated call here. N- no, it's not. Um, and it, yeah, the Ferrari did Dennis me specifically. You didn't fall for it uh, in your defense. They, that was me. So I'm very disappointed. Uh, the closing stages of the race were absolutely electric. Um, the you know the the top four cars uh, being in order: uh, Sergio Perez, uh, Carlos Sainz, Max Verstappen, and Charles Leclerc. Uh, watching them, uh, you know, race as closely as they did, they were all within two seconds of each other. They were nose to tail the entire way around Monaco. Um, and it was just a really fun thing to see uh, and to in the closing stages after a very wet race. I was genuinely afraid that they were going to uh, run a couple of laps under safety car and pull uh, Belgium from last year. I, I was for a second there, too. So uh, that was quite disappointing. But uh, for the rest of uh, the grid that we can definitely talk about, uh, Pierre Gasly had a tough day, but a great recovery drive. Uh, McLaren had kind of a mixed bag. Uh, we had P6 with Lando Norris, who couldn't quite out Fox uh, George Russell, who continues his streak as the only driver on the grid who has finished P5 or better in each race. So good on George Russell. But McLaren has has a bit of a conundrum to figure out with Daniel Ricciardo. Uh, Daniel Ricciardo has no confidence in that car in the turns, um, whereas Lando Norris is very comfortable and very confident. So something's got to give. Uh, Fernando Alonso did have a good day for Alpine, um, and the <laughs> at the my, expense my, of half the other half the rest I, I of the loved field. It. Um, at expense of, at the expense of half the field, but I loved his quote after the race, which was, um, they said, you know, everybody said you you held up the field, and he said that's not my problem. Yeah, no. And and they said, how hard was it to defend against Lewis? It, it was wasn't. actually pretty easy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it, was, it was so easy. Three to four seconds slower per lap. Now they said three seconds slower. That's the talking point. At multiple points, it was 3.6 to 3.8. So it was even more than that. Pretty slow. At one point, do you look at Monaco? I know it's Monaco. I know the race has to happen, but can we alter the course a little bit? Can we like find a way to like do some infill on land and and make a proper like small straightaway? It, was it is it asking too much tim to have a track that they can pass on because it, all the all the crap talk for how art you know how it's all about the money and not about the racing uh miami got that's monaco baby that is that is monaco it is tough and you know 
Ah, I don't know. I, I don't know about the, the, the future for this track. I know that there are very serious talks about not having it. I think it is the crown jewel. It's where they make the most money. I think it's impossible to not have it. Um, but at but the I same think time, it caught a lot of teams out. Yeah. And what's the point of, of a track where you don't, where you don't have to race at any given pace, anywhere near like as fast as you can go. Like at what point is that, so like farcical that you just have to draw a line and make some radical changes because tim like what is a racetrack if not a venue to allow people to go as fast as they possibly can and you're not rewarded for going as fast as you possibly can fernando wasn't no he wasn't um but you know neither were a lot of guys no Uh, did we have an on track overtake this race I'd have to look it up. I don't think I'd have did. to look that up. I don't know. That, I don't think that they did. No, I don't think they um, did either. No, not, not they s- did. Pierre Gasly. That's uh, yep, Pierre Gasly right. had a really we tremendous <laughs> uh, recovery drive. He passed in places that I genuinely didn't know you could. Um, mm-hmm. The the going into the casino section. Yeah. Wow, that was impressive. Um, you know, I think he turned in a really great drive. It is a shame uh, that he will not have the opportunity uh to move on to the big red bull sister team uh because sergio perez following his victory has signed on through the end of 2024 um and i say following because that's when they announced it there yeah, they is, signed it beforehand there is an audio clip and a video clip you can see sergio uh embrace christian horner and say we signed too soon <laughs> so and he was asked about that and he goes oh it's it's nothing ha 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 yeah, you got caught out, bud. We know what you did. It's okay. Yeah, we know what you did. You know what yeah. you did. But uh, but that was interesting. Uh, nothing good for Mercedes except for George Russell doing well. Um, the the speed of the car was inferior. Uh, the slow speed turns are still an issue for Mercedes. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't I I don't think we're gonna see uh, a return to form for Mercedes until we hit a standard track again because we have a lot of uh tracks coming up specifically baku uh comes to mind where it's a lot of slow speed corners there is the biggest straight on the calendar i grant you but i don't think it will make up for the amount of low speed corners that are uh the bane of the existence for mercedes mercedes is is now a high speed corner only team i think um lewis can't couldn't really get a whole uh, lot going uh george continues to just deeply impress with his consistency in the in the field um but i think that mercedes woes are going to continue i would uh, i would be inclined to agree tim uh you have any you have any closing parting thoughts any thoughts of what pierre gasly is going to do uh now that that big red bull seat isn't available i think i, I think i think wasting himself i do i don't know where he would go above it but i just don't think a guy of his talent should be stuck at alpha tower this whole time if he isn't at alpha tower next year and he does move on i deeply suspicion that uh, mclaren will be his landing spot should the Pado award primary plan fall through if he doesn't get his uh, super license points for any reason, they would probably slot Pierre Gasly into that seat next to uh, Lando Norris. And you'd have two 
killers uh, in that seat, uh, in that uh, team. Um, the other uh, closing thing I did want to say is uh, I'm actually starting to worry about Mick Schumacher's future. Really? Yeah, well, yeah. I mean. Well, it's for the second been... time in two years I've seen a Haas ripped in half. Yeah. uh second time in two years or third time in three years did he i don't think he actually physically poured he half. didn't there tear two pieces of the car he didn't like, tear it in a, half apart but he didn't tear it in half but you'll remember 2020 when uh, our boy roman grosjean tore a haas in half as well that's what i'm saying the last time in two years that yeah. i've seen oh, okay. that, yeah, that's yeah. the second time in two years that uh i've seen a haas get ripped in half um is that Haas's construction or luck of the draw yes i think <laughs> well, it's both i think i, I, it's think, a weird I think the first one i think the first one with roman any any car would have ripped in half and honestly i don't know about the build quality of other cars but there's a chance that other cars on the grid might not have survived the impact as well as the haas did with roman grosjean and allowed him to live i mean just little tiny millimeter differences might have actually ended up taking his life mm -hmm. this one it was low just, speed it low just speed yeah it popped just popped off. out yeah yeah it just popped off uh it it, it did kind of blow my mind a bit um but you know hey it is what it is so i i don't know that he's at haas next year um but I, you know i think keep i an think, eye on this space i think the money's too good for them to not have him but i also think too like how do I put this? It is. I think he's going to turn a corner in the second half of this year going into next year. I really do. That And that'd be great for him. I, I hope it does happen. But, it, you know, last year he had a clearly inferior teammate. This year he has a clearly superior teammate. Um, so we'll see if he, but he has to step it up if he's going to, you know, make it work. And I want Mick to succeed. I want him to be Michael's son, not Rolf's nephew. So it's yeah. the big question isn't it it is overall luke we had a weekend chalk full of racing i haven't even gotten to the 24 hours of the nurburgring yet yeah can you believe it so <laughs> i don't let's let's go ahead let's give let's give both races a grade and the weekend a grade okay are we giving monaco a grade grade or are we giving it a monaco grade I don't think we can we can do the adjustment for it without uh you know being mean to the rest of the calendar. So I think we just give it a grade. Give it a grade grade. Monaco's a D. Uh I I know it oof. was a more chaotic Monaco, but like Monaco last year is a solid F. This was a step above, but would you rather watch I'm gonna give it a C minus because yeah. I was afraid they were gonna cancel it. Okay because of the rain. I just I I can't I can't give that much to a track that to a race that produced like that little no, anything, no. um, with the exception of rain. But rain is not fair. Tim, what would you give your first Indy five hundred? Obviously, an A plus. <laughs> an A plus. Honestly, and on merit, I think it does deserve it. Mm -hmm. um, you know, it it was a it was a uh, a race that rewarded experience. It was a race that had every technical thing possible with it. It had action, it had craziness, and it had a surprise winner that none of us saw coming. So um, I'm thrilled. I, I, I'm with you. And with okay. that, we're going to wrap up. I've been Luke. I've been Tim. 
and we will catch you on the flippity flop. See ya. Deuces. All right. Sorry I kept you up so late, man. Just no, email it to me. I'll mix it.